Welcome to the latest issue of our Inside Fertilizer Analytics podcast. We usually talk to one of the editors of our Fertilizer Analytics publications about developments in their markets, but today we're going to do something slightly different, and we're going to tackle an issue that's been rising up the agenda very rapidly uh, in the global energy industry and also within within Argus um, internally, and that's to do with the energy transition and the very interesting topic of green hydrogen and green ammonia. And uh, to discuss this topic with me today, I'm joined by Andrea Valentini, who joins me from our office in Singapore, where he's been heading up a lot of our work in this new area. He's been looking at project work and exploring opportunities for for our for our customers uh, in in terms of production and trade and projects. And so he's really within the last 12 or 18 months been very deeply involved in the issue of green ammonia and green hydrogen. Um, and so really well placed to share some insights with me today and with our listeners and also to explore some of the more controversial points to do with green ammonia and green, green hydrogen. So Andrea, welcome to the podcast today. How are you? Hi, Tim. Thank you very much. And hi, everyone. So we can assume, Andrea, as we discussed earlier, we can assume that our listeners have a fairly good understanding of, of green ammonia, but maybe as, as a quick 30-second uh, intro, I'll just, I'll just say uh, just say what we mean by green ammonia. We're thinking here of, of really ammonia made from hydrogen produced from renewable power through electrolysis um, and therefore really intending to be a zero carbon product um, and, and therefore useful as a way of storing renewable power uh, in a more safe and cost effective way than hydrogen itself and also also more cost effective and safe way of moving hydrogen around the world in terms of transportation, simply because of the, the chemical product is easier to move, uh, more stable and established has established infrastructure. So that, that's a kind of quick elevator ex- explanation of what green ammonia is. But since we have limited time, I wanted to talk today with you, Andrea, about some of the unknowns or some of the uncertain issues to do with how this new market is going to develop. And I'd like us to jump straight into pricing. Um, I know it's a topic that you're often asked about, I'm asked about, and so let's start Let's start there right at the most complicated point. Um, we know there's a very well-established grey ammonia market. It's, you know, it's used as a chemical intermediate. It's used in petrochemical uh, production around the world. It's quite widely traded, uh, maybe 20 million tonnes of trade. What do you think is going to happen in the future in terms of how green ammonia will be priced? I mean, do you... Do you think it's going to be priced as a straightforward commodity? Is it going to be linked to existing fossil-based ammonia? What's your thoughts? Yeah, this is a very interesting point, Tim. Um, and this is one point of discussion which is becoming particularly relevant to, to go beyond the hype generated by net zero strategies and, and by the wave of project announcements. Uh, we really need to start on this, trying to understand uh, what is the commercial application of green ammonia and how it how much it will cost first of all and how it will, it will be priced uh, there is a lot of clarity uh, on this point but we can start making some scenarios and looking at a few a few different options obviously from the point of view of project developers since this is a, a new technology uh, some of these projects are very large and require very large capital uh, capital costs uh, from the point of view of these developers, um, we see a scenario similar to how the LNG market first developed, where the first few large projects relied on 
uh, long-term fixed contracts to cover uh, investment costs and, 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 and guarantee a return on investment. Um, so this could be a potential scenario, uh, in, especially in the short term. If that is the case, obviously, uh, pricing considerations, first of all, would be linked mostly to project economics. And, and secondly, in the short term, we wouldn't have any liquidity in the market and, and we wouldn't be talking about a market price at all. Yes, yeah, so I, I can I see that the huge capital requirements, especially for closed loop projects, would be um, would really push for a for a long term contract arrangement like like we've seen in LNG uh, in the decades past. Um, just in terms of pure production costs, uh, do you have a sense yet for what green ammonia could cost per ton? Just a you know rough rough scale. Is is it going to be 100% more than uh, you know the, the most competitive? Gray ammonia production costs. Are we talking, you know, are we talking three, four hundred dollars? Are we talking seven, eight thousand dollars a ton of ammonia? Well, yeah, what's your sense? It, it really depends on the location we're looking at, uh, the, the timeline we are considering. Um, part of the uh, potential drivers of adoption of, of, of green ammonia is the degree to which electrolyzer technology will mature in the future, which uh, obviously will bring. Um, levelized cost of hydrogen down and, and therefore green, green ammonia prices down or costs down. Uh, as, as of today, based on today's technology and, and the achievable scale, we are not, depending on the location, we are not looking at anything below six to $800 per ton of green ammonia in terms of le- levelized costs, so including capital costs, which is uh, obviously a, a major, major obstacle for, for the adoption of this product. Obviously, we need to make some assumptions on how uh, technology will mature, how much cheaper renewable costs will be, uh, renew- renewable energy will be in the future. Uh, and then for the very long term, we can make some assumptions about the convergence between gray ammonia costs and, and green ammonia costs. Do you, looking in the long term, looking in your in your crystal ball, do you think, do you think that um, renewable energy costs will become will reach parity with like fossil fuel energy costs in 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 the really well and well resourced areas of the world like you know western australia or chile or uh, you know the middle east morocco do you think those sort of countries will get renewable energy production costs levelized renewable energy prices down feeding into uh, green ammonia prices down to uh, sort of green uh, sorry to fossil fuel levels uh, you know like gas based power consumption um costings Eventually, it's possible, especially with economies of scale and, and more investment in the sector, especially in the countries and regions which you mentioned, so Middle East, Australia, uh, so places where there is room and potential for very large scale dedicated renewable power projects. Yeah, I, 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 I tend to agree. I, I think the scale issue is something that's only just being, uh, you know, being explored, and I think we will see some uh, improvements. Yeah. Um, but let, it sounds to me, and, and and tell me if I'm wrong, but it sounds to me like you 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 don't really see a, um, a a future where green ammonia production costs ever ever quite reach current grey ammonia production costs, simply because the technology is is going to be more expensive when it's levelized with the capital costs. So there's always always going to be a gap between the green ammonia production costs and grey ammonia production costs, um, which of course. Uh, Hence, to the the need for some kind of uh, regulation or 
carbon tax or some kind of incentive to, to oh, push. Incentive, yes. you know, so so how, how do we bridge the gap? What's your thinking about the the way that that gap will be bridged, you know, uh, most in the most practical way, given the complication you have with this structure? Yeah, the, the, the level, the way the way the industry will be incentivized is is perhaps the key to unlocking the potential for most of these projects uh, without very clear incentives. Uh, most of these projects on, on green ammonia are not going to be viable at all. Um, so we, we definitely need a more structured approach from, from regulators on uh, what kind of support uh, will be given to this industry, especially to, to kickstart. Uh, perhaps as a parallel, we can think about renewable energy 20 years ago when it was extremely expensive compared with other power sources, but with the right sort of um, support uh, subsidies and, and feeding tariffs, uh, we managed to, to encourage more investment and more economies of scale. So uh, a similar trajectory can be expected for, for hydrogen and green ammonia as well. Mm. I mean, we do, we do see uh, moves towards more aggressive carbon pricing in Europe and even the carbon border adjustment mechanism that's been discussed in Europe and in other regions are talking about some ways of pricing carbon. Uh, let, let's assume that there will be some measure of carbon pricing in the future. Um, and let's develop the idea you've, you mentioned earlier about the, the, the long-term contract kind of uh, initial phase of green ammonia. Over time, I, you'd expect that that uh, the market will develop in, in 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 the direction of all commodity markets, and there'll be some spot trade. Do you think the green ammonia market will affect the grey ammonia market pricing? Uh, do you think Do you think grey the grey ammonia price, conventional ammonia market, will continue, uh, you know, oblivious uh, and, and in its happy direction, uh, current direction, or do you think there's going to be quite serious disruption to conventional ammonia pricing globally. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a good point. Uh, right now, it's uh, it's hard to foresee how any any spot green ammonia trade will um, will take place and, and price that. Um, in, in theory, uh, pu- purely theoretically, we could think that if green ammonia is going to be used as a fuel and grey ammonia will still be used as a as a um, fertilizer raw material, then we could have two parallel markets and two separate prices. But per, I, I don't think that's going to be the case because uh, inevitably there will be some spillover effect between between green ammonia and grey ammonia, uh, especially if there is some some uh, uh, carbon uh, tax or, or uh, carbon border adjustment involved. Uh, like the European Commission is discussing. So, for for example, if we are going to if you're going to penalise effectively gr- uh, grey ammonia imports into any given region uh, by applying uh, a carbon border tax, that will raise uh, grey ammonia prices for all the domestic end users. So there will be an immediate effect, which will be brought by green ammonia onto grey ammonia if that is the mechanism. Um, so then the question is, what kind of, uh, if you look at grey ammonia, if, if end users of grey ammonia like farmers are going to see the price of one of their key inputs suddenly skyrocket, what kind of measures will be taken to mitigate that risk? So that, that is also becoming uh, a political issue. Mm. Yeah, exactly. And you could, you know, you, you can already see signs of, of grey ammonia leaking into green ammonia, if I can put it like that, because we're seeing some 
traditional fertilizer producers like CF Industries announcing a conversion of some of their production in Donaldsonville to green ammonia. So there's some capacity supply side changes that are going to reduce grey ammonia capacity and, and, and switch across to green ammonia. So you know, even on the supply side, we could see some effects of, of green ammonia drawing um, capacity across from, from grey ammonia. Um, do you do you think do you think that there's uh, is is there a a mechanism which uh, which could connect the prices the the grey and green ammonia price price through the carbon price? I mean, do you think that over time the green ammonia price will trade roughly uh, the r- above the gr- the grey ammonia price by the carbon price, or or do you think there are markets where green ammonia will be um, demanded beyond just the it's car you know it's carbon price value in the carbon traded sense um of uh you know like like in japan for, for co-firing with power with coal or as a marine fuel do you think there'll be customers that'll pay more for green ammonia than just gray ammonia plus the carbon price it's possible um but also regional local differences will will play a difference because um there might be some fragmentation in terms of how how much some of end some of the end users might be willing to pay for uh, the green premium. Mm. Uh, uh, Japanese power utilities might have completely different approach from let's say industrial users in in Europe. Um, in an ideal world, there should be some kind of mechanism such as certifications of origin, which should provide some uniform playing field and, and some kind of way to to measure the carbon intensity of, of the product uh, and therefore provide the tools to traders and end users to have a verified um, product effectively. Uh, mm. but, but, but that it doesn't ex- exist yet. We, we don't we, we see several companies being interested and in, in trying to develop a mechanism like that, um, but it's quite early mm. before we get on to that 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 origination point which is really interesting i wanted to just jump back to the carbon price thing i guess you you'd have to say the current situation which is of course very early is uh, is is a situation where gray ammonia price plus the carbon price is nowhere near high enough to justify investments in green ammonia right it's it's it's, it's like almost half let's say of, of your predicted green ammonia price so the you know, current situation, gray ammonia price plus the carbon price is is not enough of an incentive. So so there has to be a bridge. There's going to have to be people and customers and companies that are prepared to pay far more yeah. for green ammonia than the current market structure allows. And and then presumably over time the 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 carbon price will become um, more intrinsically uh, embedded. Um, in in, the, in this energy transition, and we'll start reflecting the actual the actual cost of of, of zero carbon options, which it doesn't really yet. Do you think that's true? Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I, certainly, there are some some end users, for example, the, the shipping industry, where the adoption the the adoption of low carbon fuels and zero carbon fuels is seen as inevitable. So the the green premium will have to be paid and then passed on to the final user. Um, w- with regards to the different, the, the current levels, uh, the current price levels for for uh, uh, carbon pricing, um, yeah, to, today's carbon pricing is far from being enough to cover the difference between grey ammonia and, and uh, uh, grey ammonia. Uh, but we are already seeing some indications that carbon pricing might increase uh, substantially in the future. Um, 
if I remember correctly, uh, the European Investment Bank, for example, is assuming a shadow carbon pricing of over 200 euros per ton uh, as, a, as a way to, to, as a mechanism to think about long-term investment in, in the sector, which is, which is already giving you an indication of where carbon pricing might be going in the long term. Mm. I think there is a sense that truly net zero uh, and a move away from fossil fuels requires a carbon price in a different paradigm to where we are at the moment, where carbon pricing is more to do with just offsets like, um, you know, uh, agricultural, forestry and so on, um, rather than rather than uh, the cost of actually moving to net zero, zero, zero fossil fuel uh, energy system. Yeah. Um, Going back to the orig- origination point, uh, do you think that in do you think that the green ammonia market will develop in a way in a in a similar way to renewable power, where the product moves separately from the uh, the certification? So we could see ammonia. Would we see ammonia traded physically traded in different patterns to the um, the verified zero carbon production? So you know, a buyer of just to explain a buyer a buyer who wants to buy green ammonia in Europe might might be able to just by conventional grey ammonia, but by certif- certificate certification of origin from a producer in Australia, and therefore be genuinely uh, zero carbon, but not physically taking the zero carbon ammonia. Do you think that'll happen? That that, that is possible, and and it would simplify uh, part of the trade, right? Because once, from the point of view of traders, if you if you uh, start trading green ammonia and and alongside green ammonia blue ammonia or gray ammonia it would be difficult different to effectively the molecule is the same so um what you but what we need to really focus on is the uh uh the carbon content of what you're trading so there might be a situation in which uh certifications certificates of origin might be a more viable and practical way of of dealing with this rather than focusing on green ammonia shipments versus blue ammonia shipments or gray ammonia shipments. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, 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 you've, you've raised a, a point that I wanted to ask you about, which is the, you know, this issue of the colors of, of ammonia. Uh, and and uh, green ammonia, I think everyone agrees, needs to be truly net zero in, in some uh, verifiable way. But uh, blue ammonia is, is this intermediate product, right, which is less has less carbon footprint or carbon emission than than grey ammonia, but 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 more than green. Um, how do you see that fitting into the to the to the market? How do you see that being even traded? Uh, because you know you, you point to the fact that we could, especially initially, have parallel markets. We could have this long-term contract of green ammonia we, alongside grey ammonia, spot traded. Uh, where does blue ammonia fit in? Yeah, there's so much uncertainty on 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 the blue side of things because uh, f- first of all, there are so many ways. Uh, so many definitions for what blue hydrogen or blue ammonia uh, are, um, and so many doubts about the life cycle impact of each production process or, or CCS process. Um, it, it would be extremely complicated to differentiate one shipment of blue ammonia from another one coming from another location or another CCS facility. It, it would be uh, an impossible task. Do, do you think that, that a system of of, of- Certificate or certification of origin could develop where a blue ammonia producer could sell like half a half half a green ammonia certificate if they were verifiably 50% emission of conventional ammonia 
you know, would that allow Ammonia to to have a role in this transition? Uh, is, is that, that, that could be that could be possible. Yes. Um, I guess in the end it would depend on how acceptable this practice will be on, on a regional basis. Would would uh, ammonia traded this way uh, be acceptable for European users, for example? Uh, it, it really will depend on how regulations on this on this in this market will evolve. Some of the green ammonia project developers uh, point to the uh, the life cycle emissions of of, of natural gas as being um, as one of the un um, unexplored issues. You know, the fact that natural gas ENP produces methane emissions, um, you know, before the point of, of use. So through uh, exploration and production and, pi- and pipelines have methane emissions. Um, I wonder, you know, I wonder if those emissions will be will be considered if you if you thinking about a blue, emo- a blue ammonia project where, you know, where the gas is is, is used uh, to produce the ammonia, but then the, the CO2, well, some of the CO2 is is captured and stored. Uh, you know, do you think that those upstream life cycle emissions will be considered in the blue ammonia certification or definition, or, or should they be? They should be. They should be. Uh, I mean, if if it's a true life cycle assessment of the emissions of that product, they they should be. Um, but uh, the same is true for everything downstream from there. If you if you think about CCS itself. Uh, one of the most economically viable way of storing carbon today, and, and this is what several blue ammonia projects are going to be based on, is enhanced oil recovery. Um, you, you could argue that, yes, you could safely store CO2, but only to enable the production of more CO2. So it, it, That's that, a minefield. <laughs> yes, so there could be a scenario in which some countries or regions might not consider that as true uh, CCS effectively yeah what about turquoise ammonia have you heard of turquoise ammonia with this idea of producing using methane to produce hydrogen and solid carbon do you think that's yes uh, I, have, I have seen i have seen that there are a few projects exploring this uh this way of production um to be frank i i don't know much about it yet what, what have you heard about this I've heard the company. There are some some very important companies looking into it. I know BSF's looking into it as, as one example. Um, the what, from what I've seen, one of the the challenges of of, of making uh, uh, hydrogen from methane pyrolysis is the energy thing, because you, you, you know, one of your products, the energy balance, I meant, and one of your products is solid carbon, which has a very high energy value. So you end up having to use a load of energy to uh, you know, to effectively crack methane into into carbon and and hydrogen. Um, so you know, you end up using a lot of renewable power or burning some of the the hydrogen you've made to you know to um, to fuel that process. In which case, you're just generating a lot more carbon. And then what do you do with the carbon? You know, the carbon is extremely pure, so you could you know you can make some products with it, but the, the volumes you'll be producing are massive. So like, people talk about putting it back into coal mines or <laughs> you've got to make sure it doesn't burn, of course, because that's counterproductive. I think it's I think it'll be much trickier than personally than blue ammonia from uh, natural gas, steam methane reforming and uh, and carbon capture and storage storage. It's very interesting. Yeah, it's definitely something to keep an eye on. Um, in, ter- in terms of in terms of where we are. Market-wise, how far, how far do you have a sense of how far we are away we are away from from the first production and um, and, and contracts for for green ammonia um, in the market? 
In terms of project activity, uh, we know that there are several projects, even very large ones, that are targeting 2026 or 25-26 as production, uh, uh, startup production. Whether that is possible or not, given the uh, level of maturity of the technology, well, it, it remains to be seen. I think that there are there's quite a lot of uncertainty, uncertainty on that. Um, on the demand side, um, one of the most recent developments is that we have seen uh, some Japanese utilities, utilities that are planning to to start using ammonia as a fuel as early as 2024, um, which is which is uh, quite exciting. But then um, the question that we should ask is, is there going to be any green ammonia available by then? Uh, we don't know yet. And, and, and in fact, we already know, we have already heard from some of these companies that uh, they are willing to simply procure grey ammonia as, a, as an interim solution, grey ammonia as a fuel. Uh, so I, I think we're, we're in for a few surprises and, and perhaps a few price shocks. If, uh, if suddenly there are new use, users of gray ammonia, which will add to uh, current trade flows. Wow, that, that certainly is leakage uh, across from gray ammonia to green ammonia. Exactly. Uh, and that there's going to be a, certainly an impact because we, we're talking about millions of tons, aren't we, in, um, even in Japan for co-firing with, with coal. Yeah, um, and, and given your expectation of early green ammonia prices being sort of very high hundreds of dollars a ton, uh, those utilities are probably ha- will have a strong incentive not to start with green ammonia. I can I can see I can see the problem. Exactly. I mean, I, I can see the point. Uh, it would make sense to start with grey ammonia to establish a supply chain. Uh, but, but yes, then then we go we go back all the way to the initial point about the uh, the influence of green ammonia versus uh, on gray ammonia uh, and uh, yeah we, we are definitely going to see something interesting happening mm. and well, we haven't even discussed fertilizers i mean there is of course the need for fertilizers to decarbonize so even even conventional gray ammonia markets need to become green in the end uh, because food production needs to become uh, lower carbon or net, net net zero carbon in the future and therefore uh, the impacts are are so complex. Um, Andrea, we're at the end of time. We could have spoken for hours, so um, but yeah. we do need to wrap it up. Um, thanks very yeah. much for your time. I, I know pricing is, is one of the key issues we look at at Argus, um, and so it's important. And I'm glad we had the chance to discuss it. If you've been listening to the podcast today and you'd like to know more, um, we, we are doing lots of things in, in this area. We've just current, we've just launched a, a green ammonia constructed price assessment, which is um, in this week's Argus Ammonia and Argus Marine Fuels publications. Uh, get get in touch if you'd like to know more. We've also launched the Green Ammonia Strategy Report, which is an, a new report, which will be the launch of our, our green ammonia forecast covering uh, bunker fuels, power gen, and conventional users of, of ammonia that could switch to green ammonia. It also covers production costs. Uh, price forecasts and all the, all the other aspects that you'll need if you're looking into getting into green ammonia and you need a, uh, a comprehensive coverage of, of the new topic. We're also covering green ammonia through project work that Andrea is doing from, from Singapore and also through our offices in Europe and the US, um, and we're very busy in that area. We cover green ammonia through our um, ammonia analytics service, which is a quarterly forecast service looking at medium and long-term trends. Uh, in fact, everywhere we cover ammonia and nitrogen, we are looking at, at this green ammonia issue because it's so crucial. So all of those services are available through Argus Direct if you're a subscriber or get in touch 
with your account manager to subscribe and we can get you more information. Um, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. I really did. Andrea, thanks for your time. If you'd like to keep in touch with us and hear the next uh, the next episode of Inside Fertilizer Analytics, please like or follow the podcast so that you get alerted for the new for the new episode. And we thank you for your time today. We hope you enjoyed enjoyed listening. And until until next time, goodbye. Bye everyone. Thanks, Tim.